For a very special edition of YB5, uh, Fix is going to be chatting to Atambile from the Asina Katula Collective. That's right. We've got Atambile on the line at the moment for YB5, talking racism and discrimination in schools, uh, which has been happening for a while in South Africa. It's been the hot topic on Twitter. It's been the hot topic everywhere um, on the back end of um, the recent Black Lives Matter protests. And I particularly wanted to bring this up on the Forbes and Fix show and bring it on to YB5 because I experienced racism and discrimination um, at my Model C school in the Eastern Cape. And this happened on many occasions. Um, But one of the main occasions I can uh, remember um, that comes to light was, and this is a little TMI, by the way, I'm just going to tell you now. Um, I just started wearing a bra in grade 9, 10. Um, And... I remember we had a sports day and I had a black bra on, which was like my only bra at that time. I was in the boarding house, living in a boarding house. um, And um, I remember one of the teachers coming to me and firstly, she was screaming at me because I was late. So whatever, fair enough, I was maybe late for, for the activity. Then she started screaming at me for having a black bra on. Um, um, and um, you could see it through my collared white shirt. And I didn't even have an opportunity to explain that, sorry, they don't sell nude color for my skin, first and foremost. And if I had a white bra on, I'd be able to see it just as much as this black bra. And I couldn't even get to that point. And she just kept going and screaming at me, going off. You know those mothers, or one of those mothers who just continue screaming at you and you're just like, I wish this would end. And then she goes on for like almost an hour. Well, it feels like an hour. Yeah. That's what happened to me. And I, I, and I remember just feeling so small and humiliated because it was done in front of most of the girls around me. And, you know, you've just started wearing a bra. Like it's, it's, it's such a new chapter, a new, a, a new challenge in your life. And, and, and here you are screaming about honestly a black bra like yeah you don't you don't understand my circumstances you don't understand my situation um coming from a black family and um you know possibly just integrating for the first time um with other white girls um at a school so it was it was one of and that, and this is just one occasion on many occasions and um the reason why um i wanted to bring this up is because a lot of females um, um, and, and I think males as well but they've been from my side because I went to a girls school a lot of conversation right now on social media where people are telling their stories and they are talking about this is when I felt discriminated because this teacher did this to me and there's this conception that unless you get like one of those white blazers so the white blazer was the exceptional um, like you've done really well in school and if you were a black girl that got a white blazer then you got acceptance and you and and there was there was less discrimination but um at the end uh if you were just average and you were white you you were also accepted so there were so many black girls that fell through the cracks um now that's my side of the story and the reason why i wanted to mention it is because atambile focuses on integrations at school she focuses because she is a teacher herself um about um um, what's happening in the schools right now, racism and discrimination, and how we can move forward with it. Atebile, thanks for joining us. Hey, Fix. Thanks for having me on your show. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about 
um, um, your experience and how and what what you did um, out of the situation? Yeah, I mean, like what you were referring to, because we both know who you're talking about. And it was those moments of humiliation. Um, and I was at that school for 12 years. So if you can imagine just the repeated harm. Um, and most of it was that, you know, as a child, you don't even understand what's happening. So I remember being yelled at because I was wearing the wrong sports t-shirt. So if you remember, you had to have a sports t-shirt for physics, a sports t-shirt for hockey, a different sports t-shirt for athletics, and a different sports one for whatever. And I just happened to be wearing the wrong one. I didn't have a proper netball t-shirt. And someone rained on me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I must have been 11 years old. I was still playing, but they were so mortified that I'd brought the school's name into disrepute because I had the wrong t-shirt. Um, and then watching over and over again just the preferential treatment because if a white girl, Becky, had been in the same situation, she, you, we knew that and we saw repeatedly that she would never get the same trouble because she was white, because her mom helped out in the PTA or brought cakes to the staff room or whatever that, that you know, prevented them from being rained on like a ton of bricks. But the messaging was constantly, you don't belong here. And I guess that's part of the reason why I then became a teacher because I wanted to be the kind of teacher that I wish I'd had in high school to my students. Um, and so I taught in a variety of schools and um Right now, the work is talking to other teachers about how to, A, be accountable for what they're doing when they do that to children, but B, that it can be remedied, that this is something that we actually can change, and that in the South African context, it's actually a question of justice. It's not a nice to have. It's actually how, how do we raise a different generation of children who will have different experiences to the ones that we had. Absolutely. I mean, um, at, at this stage now, um, I've, I mean, I've watched some of the stuff that you've been doing on, on, um, on TV news channels and um, um, interviews that you've been part of. Um, tell us a little bit about your collective that you've created um, as teachers. Um, and then tell us um, just what's the way forward? Um, and yeah. and are, are schools actually reaching out now and saying, mm. OK, we are taking responsibility. We're taking uh, we, 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 we accept what has happened how do we move forward from that and which schools are doing it um, I mean we don't want to name any schools but I'm just saying um, yeah. what has been the overall feedback yeah so I mean our collective kind of response to a small fraction of this in terms of just curriculum transformation so as Nagotula Collective we are teachers and researchers who want to bring the narratives that don't make it into the children's curriculum particularly in English and history because I am an English teacher um, and so we bring in narratives and we want our website to be a resource for teachers to be able to bring in those narratives. So um, a large part of our work is commemorating Nunzis in Goethe and Charlotte Matlake, who are kind of still very marginal, even though they were a real core of the early um, movements in South Africa in the 1920s. And so our work is doing that and we encourage people to contact us and we're really keen to, to, to get involved in schools. We do master classes. We were going to do a lecture um, in May that we're going to make it an online thing in light of the lockdown and COVID. So that's the one thing. And then on the other thing, I'm also a facilitating consultant um, with friends and we started something called the Center for Being and Belonging. Um, and that's where I've really had the opportunity to work with a lot of private schools and the elite schools who have been um, kind of ousted in this in this moment, um, and I, I must say, on the one hand, there's um, there's a willingness to to do something, but there's a lot of fear, and I think at some point we need to really talk very very seriously as adults. And, I've, and the, the, the awkward thing, of course, is that a lot of these adults are people who would have taught me, and they are 
you know, twice my age and they are still in the system. And so the work of having to listen to not only a person, but a young black woman telling them you don't need to be afraid and that there's still space for you in the system. And I think a lot of older white professional teachers or, um, you know, people in corporate who are doing similar work is that there's this huge fear that when we talk about justice, we talk about replacing people. And I think that's been the broken telephone of the South African narrative is that white people have thought that black people speaking out means less space for them. But when we speak about issues of justice, when we speak about issues of belonging, when we speak about issues of accountability, there's actually more place for us in the sun, that there's actually more room for all of us because when we take seriously the people who are in the margins, the people who are, and I mean, it's strange in South Africa because we black people are the cultural minority, even though they're the demographic majority. So you're sitting with this weird paradox um, and the people who hold mm. the economic power, who people who hold the institutional cultural power are in the minority. And all we're saying to them is, Look at what we've got to offer, that it's also about you. And even though we've butchered this idea, that it's about Ubuntu, that white people can become better human beings through acknowledging what has happened in the past. No one's trying to replace them. No one is saying that they must go away and drive them into the sea, but that there is enough space for us in South Africa. There's enough space for us in this continent to be able to live in the country that we all want and I think is possible. Ati, um, what's being practically done? Are we taking steps as a society? Are we trying to get better at this? Is government getting involved or education departments taking this more seriously? Yeah, I think the beauty about South Africa, and I think we don't use this to our advantage enough, is that we really do have a constitution that allows us to be able to have these conversations. Yes. Um, and I think it's such an unfortunate thing. I mean, I love when I do some of these sessions with schools and young people, I always read the preambles of the constitution, which for me, on the one hand, is poetic, um, just as a language person, but also it's just such a beautiful, if you don't want to read the rest of the constitution, just read the preamble and maybe the Bill of Rights. And that's the guideline that I use, is that what we are asking for is not a nice to have. So yes, in terms of being able to do that, government is definitely on board. The question is how well do we keep them accountable? And I mean, we've seen uh, with campaigns on a variety of issues, looking at what Section 27 and Equal Education are doing right now, but what old boys and old girls um, alumni groups are doing right now is that we're holding each other accountable. The beauty or the, 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 the Catch-22 situation with a democracy is that you have to keep it accountable. It only works when we are actually all active citizens. And I, I love the fact that we, we have that, that those, those principles available to us. But I think now more than ever, and I think which is what we've seen with um, what's happening in America, um, is that if you don't go out into the streets, if you don't write the petitions, if you don't write the letters, if you don't show up, and if you don't make the conversations and knock on people's door, nothing is actually going to happen. That's the drag about a democracy. Mm. So I really hope that people take that to heart, you know, that we've got the tools to do it. The question is when and how we do it. It's beautifully put. It really, Absolutely. really is. So what can we do better every day as a South African? What can I do to make a difference? And can I just I'm, jump in here? And can hmm. we particularly also speak to when we say what can we do um, with the Black Lives Movement um, um, protests? We saw that people had to choose a side. It was one of those yeah. like, the, no matter what color you are, you, you need to choose a side. You can't sit on the fence and just say, oh, ugh, shame. Um, what yeah. are you actually doing about it actively, um, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a student, whether you are a parent, um, whether you are black, white, Indian, colored, whatever it may be? Um, what would you suggest? I think for me, there's always low-hanging fruit in terms of what can we do. So, um, first of all, look at your friendship groups. Who are your friends? 
Who are the people you're seeking advice from? There's a wonderful academic um, called Robin DeAngelo. She always says to people, look at your, your wedding album. Who was at your wedding? That tells you a great picture, or your 21st, I guess, in one way. That tells you who's in your life. And if it only looks like you, if it's only white, if it's only black, there's an opportunity for you to change that picture. So just that as a personal relationship, um, there's something that needs to change. At a more practical, maybe at a citizenship level, find out where organizations are, are meeting. Find out what you can support. Um, find out what Section 27 is up to. Find out what Equal Education is up to. Find out if there are communities or organizations that are in need. And stretch yourselves. I mean, as a metaphor, I'd say walk across the room. Um, extend yourself to other people. And that is the beauty of, of citizenship is that and if we're going to build a mundo, mundo is a very practical thing for me. It's not a nice buzzword that we, we mm. had. It's actually a, a, a practical a verb. I mean, we could be sounding like an English teacher. Oh, my God. But it's like walking across the room, <laughs> extending your friendships, um, and keeping people accountable. I think the, the more we know, the better it is that we can keep people accountable. I often talk to young people. I'm like, write to the Human Rights Commission. Write to the legal resource centers. They are literally... Um, a, a, a host of organizations that we have in this country that are invested in doing this work. And if we don't give them the work to do, they're probably sitting there wondering where we are. And then we take to the streets and they're like, but we're here. Because some of this is like, on one hand, it's systemic. On the one hand, it's personal relationships. And on the other hand, it's the it's the work. It's the writing the letters. It's the knocking on doors. So there's a lot of work to be done. So if anyone's bored during lockdown, you know, just, you know, just give me a call and I'll give them a to-do list. I absolutely love that. And you're so right about that. And also just particularly to um, anyone that has short stories to, to share. Share your stories. That is part of your healing as absolutely. well. Um, we, yeah. Yeah, it, as, much as, as much as we are trying to um, create change, um, fighting is also not exactly the answers. We want to create change, but also healing will also help you change. Uh, Ati, you are amazing at what you do. Um, she is at the overthinking teacher on Instagram. Please go and hit her up um you're amazing thank you so much for chatting to us um about Thanks, such guys. a We've serious serious issue in south africa awesome Thanks that's so Mile from asina um, kutula um collective on a five fm young blood five saluting champions who are making a difference young blood five